0: These are the commentary notes for week 4, day 2, covering Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 34. Week 4, day 2. According to Edwards, only two chapters in the Gospel of Mark depart from the narrative format to include sizable blocks of Jesus' teaching. One is the collection of parables here in chapter 4, and the other is the discourse on the end time in chapter 13, close quote. In Mark 4, 1 to 34, Jesus teaches teaches three parables of the kingdom. Parables were not a brand new form of teaching, but were employed by Old Testament prophets as well. You could see 2 Samuel 12 or Ezekiel 17. The three parables in this section of Mark 4 are verses 1 to 25, the parable of the sower and the soils, 26 to 29, the parable of the seed, and 30 to 32, the parable of the mustard seed. Mark commonly use a fe- uses a feature that's referred to by scholars as the Mark and Sandwich. We've done a uh, theological spotlight on that earlier. And the Mark and Sandwich is a, a device in which Mark begins a narrative, takes an aside, and then returns to the original narrative. The middle portion of that sandwich, the aside, is Mark's main point in such passages. The Parable of the Soils, 1 to 20, is set up precisely that way. The parables found in verses 3 to 9. Jesus' explanation is found in 14 to 20. And that middle portion, 10 to 13, which again is Mark's focal point, includes Jesus' private instruction concerning, quote, the kingdom of God, verse 11. Unless we properly interpret verses 10 to 13, we will miss Mark's point in. Mark 4, 1 to 20. According to Edwards, between the parable of the sower and its interpretation in 13 through 20 of Mark 4, Mark inserts Jesus' rationale for speaking in parables in verses 10 to 12. This insertion is both the key to understanding the sandwich in 1 to 20 and one of the most important sections in this gospel. It is also one of the most difficult passages in the gospel to interpret, close quote. In verse 11, you and those who are the two categories of people into which Jesus divides all humanity and to whom he addresses the parables. Clearly, Jesus asserts that, quote, to you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. That's verse 11. Jesus then grounds his strategy for using parables in the words of Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, summarized by Mark. In verse 12, which reads, So that while seeing, they may not see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. You could see Isaiah 43.8, Jeremiah 5.21, Ezekiel 12.2, Matthew 13.14, Luke 8.10, John 12.40, and Romans 11.8 for supporting passages. The purpose statement of verse 12, so that, is unmistakably clear. The parables of Jesus were not designed to simplify Jesus' teaching so that more people—there's a (laughs) typo—more people could understand, but rather were a sign of God's eschatological judgment on the rebellious and guaranteed that less people would, quote, understand and be forgiven, verse 12. This is doubtless a difficult doctrine for us to understand, May it nevertheless cultivate true humility before the sovereign Spirit of God, who alone discloses to our minds a proper apprehension of the Lord Jesus and of his teaching. Edwards adds, quote, Those who hear in faith, even if they do not fully comprehend, are given the mystery of the kingdom. The word of God causes fruit to grow and increase in them. Verses 3 to 9, verses 14 to 20. And to increase 30, 60, even a hundredfold. Verse eight: the difference Edwards concludes between the lost seed, between the lost seed and fruitful seed, depends on hearing in faith. Thus, the parable of the soils begins and ends with Jesus' admonition: "Listen to this." Verse three: "He who has ears, let him hear." Verse nine: Satan, in verse fifteen, prevents those whose hearts are hardened soil from profiting from the word of God. Affliction or persecution, verse 16 and 17, prevents those whose hearts are full of rocky soil from profiting from the word. And third, the worries of the world, deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things, verse 19, prevent those whose hearts are full of thorns from profiting from the word of God. Only the fourth soil proves to be receptive to God's word, having truly, quote, listened and, quote, heard, verses three and nine, which in turn led to yielding fruit in keeping with repentance unto God's glory. Before we move on, uh, note on the phrase Jesus gave, unless you understand this parable, how will you understand the others? According to Jesus, unless we understand this parable, we will not be able to understand any of his other parables. Verse 13 makes that plain. In the first three soils, something prevents the word of God from profiting the hearer. Edwards explains, Quote, What is it about the parable of the sower that makes it the paradigm for all parables? The answer, which becomes apparent in the interpretation of verses 14 to 20, is that the parable of the sower combines the two elements that form the core of Mark's story and that are necessary for understanding the gospel, namely Christology and discipleship. The first telling of the parable, verses three to nine, explains the meaning of Jesus, and the second telling in fourteen to twenty explains the meaning of discipleship. Close quote. Well, as with the preceding and following parables, the Lord Jesus is using these parables to describe what the kingdom of God is like, according to verse 11, 26, 30, and 31, while expanding upon the parable of the sower and the soils. In verses 21 to 25, These verses seek to encourage and emphasize, there's another typo, that God continues to work even when our labors are done, independently of any human contribution. Matthew gives this same parable, by the way, in Matthew 13, 37, and there Matthew clarifies that the sower in the parable is not us, but rather, quote, the Son of Man. He's the one doing the sowing. Verse 21 includes a double question, another typo. Is it? Is not? Uh, The construction of the sentence assures that Mark expects a no and a yes answer, respectively. Specifically, by design, lamps are meant to give as much light as possible. In Jesus' day, the lamp was a clay vessel filled with oil. Because verse 22 begins with the word for, Mark makes the connection clear. Whereas lamps seek to expose... Jesus amplifies the power of his all-searching eye to declare that, quote, nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret that would not come to light, verse 22. Just as a lamp's purpose is to reveal, so Jesus' nature guarantees that all things, including all people and all motives, will one day be fully exposed. Because of the uninhibited scope of God's sight, including even the subterranean seeds beneath the soil, like in this parable. Jesus again lays emphasis on his words, saying, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, verse 23. Because Jesus knew that his words could easily be misconstrued, he reiterated in verse 24 the point that he made earlier in verse 9, namely, take care what you listen to. In short, all who by faith Embrace the king of God's kingdom. Have everything. Verse 25 says, more shall be given to him. And those who reject him will suffer total catastrophic loss. Verse 25 says, even what he has will be taken away from him. France summarizes the meaning of Mark four twenty-one to 25 this way. Quote, parables heard with proper understanding and response will bring a rich reward. Divine grace goes beyond the limits of mere reciprocity. Close quote. The parable contained in chapter 4, verse 26 to 29, is only recorded in Mark's gospel. But it is one that ought to be deeply interesting to all who have reason to hope that they are true Christians. It sets before us the history of the work of grace in an individual soul, J.C. Ryle said. Verse 26 to 27 contain these words, The seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The, the faithful farmer. Ryle added, The wisest farmer on earth can never explain all that takes place in the grain of wheat when he has sown it. He cannot command the prosperity of each grain. He cannot explain why some grains come up and others die. He cannot specify the hour or the minute when life shall begin to show itself. He cannot define what life is. He sows his seed and leaves the growth to God. God gives the increase. Close quote. The kingdom of God, which is the phrase used in verse 26, is, according to Jesus, exactly like that. These are powerful words from our Lord to all who seek to faithfully invest his word in the lives of others. While fruitlessness may discourage us in the work because we desire to see spiritual prosperity in the souls of others, let us, quote, not forget that the seed lies long under the clods before it vegetates, and that much of our seed may spring up when we have ceased from our labors, said Charles Simeon. Faithfulness, not fruitfulness, is the command of our king. He alone knows what produce will redound to his glory through our labors when the harvest has come. That's what verse 29 says, when the harvest has come. The parable of the mustard seed, which closes this section in verses 30 to 32, is contained also in Matthew 13, as well as Luke 13, with, quote, a variety of expression, nevertheless, no discrepancy anywhere, Hendrickson said. The meaning and application of this parable has been debated throughout the ages. It's generally agreed that the mustard seed was among the smallest seeds to be sown in one's garden. Luke 13, 19 emphasizes that. Similarly, Christ's kingdom was, in his earthly days, comparably minuscule in the world. In contrast to the mighty Roman Empire, Jesus' largest crowds would have been insignificant in the estimation of his detractors. Yet, when fully grown, the mustard tree is large enough even for the birds of the air to find their shelter. Today, mustard trees can be found growing up to 10 or 15 feet in height. Hendrickson added, As the birds find shelter in the shade of the tree, you could see Ezekiel 17 and Daniel 4, does this not indicate, Hendrickson said, that the kingdom becomes a blessing for men of every time, race, and nation? Within 40 years of Christ's death, the gospel had reached all the great cultural centers of the Roman world and ever so many out-of-the-way places besides, Close quote. Finally, verse 33. Verse 33 means that Jesus adapted his parables to the level of understanding that he found in his listeners, said Lane. Instead of his direct form of teaching in other contexts, which demanded an immediate decision, Jesus' parables allowed listeners the opportunity to reflect. In this way, the parables were an expression of God's grace to Jesus' listeners. However, the parables, as we have seen, were also a form of, quote, judgment upon their lack of preparation to receive directly the word of the kingdom of God. For that reason, he did not speak to them without a parable, close quote. That was from Lane. In great grace, the Lord Jesus privately exposed to his disciples the meaning of his parabolic sayings, verse 34, namely, the mystery of the kingdom as present in the person of Christ, said Lane. This ends the notes for week four, day two.